Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. Some of God's most beautiful miracles and greatest work is especially evident in the aftermath of our darkest and most painful experiences. After the dark days of the crucifixion of Jesus, light breaks forth in His resurrection. After hurt is healing, after brokenness is mending, after death is life. Through this series, we are learning to pay attention to how God is moving and growing our faith in and for the aftermath. All right, I'm going to come down here with you and have a seat today. Uh, and I don't know uh, Graham and Jonathan, who um, are, two, are two of our awesome camera, camera operators, along with others, Cameron and Caitlin, just give them a big shout out because without what they do every single week, we can't, we can't make this happen. <sighs> Did anybody think we would still be here? I, I, don't know, I don't know what I thought when all this started. I don't know how long I thought all this would last. But it's funny how God works. And if you're just jumping in with us, man, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Thank you. However you stumbled across Vintage Church, whether you're watching from another state or whether you're engaging with us from another church or however, you st- we're, we're just honored that you took time out of your life today to just lean into this teaching, lean into this experience. Uh, and if, if you are jumping in just now, we're in a series, and, and, and I think you can, you, can, you can see it. It's not behind me right now, but maybe it'll be on the screen at some point. We're in a series called The Aftermath. And as appropriate as that is for the season that we're in, we planned it months ago. Several months ago, we decided that we were going to do a series around the Easter season called The Aftermath. And the original plan was for this to be a three-week series. Palm Sunday, Easter Sunday, and the Sunday following. But as God knew, as often happens, God knew things that we we didn't know. He saw things that we didn't see, that we didn't know at that time that the Easter series in the Easter season would fall in the aftermath of restrictions like none of us have ever seen before. We didn't know that this series would fall in the aftermath of this coronavirus that now has taken control of all of our lives. And so we just decided, okay, we're just going to keep this going. We're, we're going to keep this series moving because God, I think God wanted that from the beginning, that this went for God in his heart, maybe not in our minds and in our plans, but in God's heart, he knew that this series needed to be more than three weeks, that the aftermath was something that we needed to lean into, this whole concept of aftermath. And it was built on this principle that in the aftermath of our most painful moments, God does his most beautiful miracles. That's the whole premise of the series. That, and it was born in discussing Easter because in the aftermath of the cross was the resurrection. In the aftermath of Jesus' death, he defeated it and came back to life. And it is the best example we have of that principle. That in the aftermath of life's most painful moments, God does his most beautiful miracles. And some of us, like this season is our most painful moment. Like what this is creating in your life and in your career and in your business and your family, whether it be financial, emotional, or physical, 
And like this virus is hitting very close to home. We have people on our team whose family members have had to battle this virus. Just today, there was a new case here in our community that has a ripple effect. Like it, it has hit home. But one of the things that I'm, that I'm learning is this whole aftermath concept has layers and levels. Like the aftermath has, has different layers and levels. There's the aftermath, then there's the, the aftermath after the aftermath, then there's the aftermath after the aftermath after the aftermath. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, like just when you think you're in the aftermath, like there's an aftermath after that. Like we, we're waiting for the aftermath after the aftermath. Like it was like the aftermath of, of schools getting closed. And then the aftermath of a stay-at-home order. And then the, like, we're, there's these aftermaths. And it seems like what's happening is, is that space between moment and miracle seems so unclear. In the aftermath of life's most painful moments, God does his most beautiful miracles. But from moment to miracle, who knows how long it'll be. And what's hit me this week is I spend my whole life walking with people in that, in that tunnel, that space between moment and miracle. That's most of, most of my life. Ministry is helping people navigate the moments between the moment and the miracle. And 20 years into ministry, I feel like I'm not good at it. Because when people, when people are in that space between moment and miracle, they come and they sit in front of me with all the questions, looking for advice, looking for wisdom. And what I've been trying to do in this series is somehow teach something. I've been, Sometimes I, I think I believe that I can give you a message that will fill the gap between moment and miracle. That if I can preach just the right message, it will, it will, it will tide you over from, from moment to miracle. And so, especially in this series, we finish this up, we finish this filming, and then the next thing I go is, all right, God, what, what do I say now? What do I say next? And man, I think that, that over the last few weeks, I'm so humbled and honored by the way that you've responded to what God has been saying through these messages. It seems like it's just fallen right where people are. But like my, my greatest fear happened this week as a, as a pastor, as a preacher. When you feel like you don't have that message. And what I pray every week is, Lord, Lord, just give me something to say. Lord, what do you want me to say? I'm staring into these cameras and on the other side of these cameras, not the people that are running them, but out there in the universe are people that are leaning in and waiting to hear something that's gonna give them encouragement, that's gonna inspire them, that's going to fill in the gap, that's gonna help them get, get from the moment to the miracle for another seven days. Like, I, like, preacher, I don't, need you to give me, I don't need you to give me enough to get me all the way to the end, but give, give me enough to, to get me to next week. And isn't that how, have you ever noticed, like, that's how a lot of us are kind of living from week to week. 
Like it's, it's, it's the spiritual version of paycheck to paycheck. That, that you know what, we, we come into church and we lean into a message and, and if we're lucky, we go to a church that's anointed and God's doing things and we hear from the Lord and we get something and then like we get our tank full and then that tank starts getting chipped away. The moment we leave church, at least now, like you don't, you don't have to leave church and go get frustrated at a restaurant. And so I did that once again. I sat down in my desk and, and I'm, I'm, I'm all right, God. Like I, I, I know, like I, I felt, and I felt led to lean into the book of Acts, to lean in like to the aftermath of the resurrection. Because in the aftermath of Jesus returning from the dead, all these things begin to unfold. And what happened in the immediate aftermath of the resurrection is really to blame for why we're all here. Like what happens in the, if, what happens in the book of Acts is what led us to where we are. Without what happens in the book of Acts, without the acts of the apostles, without the acts of the early church, without the the commitment to the gospel, without their willingness to give their very lives for the message of Jesus, none of us are leaning into the hope that's getting us through this right now. That that message has been passed down and passed down and passed down. And so like, I I wanna lean into it and and I, I I love the beauty of it. And I think I have this passage. Good, I do. I don't know where I have notes and where I don't today. Okay, so y'all just bear with me. Last week we talked about in the aftermath of Pentecost. And like if you're not new to church, I know that's a weird term. The term is really just kind of a numerical term. It's 50 days. Anyway, God sends the Holy Spirit and the church is born and all these beautiful things happen and, and people are finding Jesus. And it's not just people from, from one nationality. It's not just people with the same color skin. It's people with different color skin, different economic positions, different languages they spoke. Like it's, it's the beauty of the church at its finest before we messed it up and turned it into this disgusting, segregated thing that it has become. That's the message for another day. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Like we get this little snapshot of the beauty of the early days of the church. That the Holy Spirit comes and Peter steps up and he preaches this just really simple, pure gospel message. And that day thousands of people are added to the community of faith. But like what was a moment became momentum. See, we're bad about as a church taking moments and turning them into memories instead of momentum. That like we, we want to look back and remember what God did instead of what's God about to do. Remember what God did. No, like they took that moment and it turned into momentum and the church began to build. And it says like, like all the believers were together and they had everything in common and there was this sense of unity and the church was born. And there was this spirit that existed among them of this generosity 
and it would be the foundation that was laid in these early days that would, that would be the driving force of what would keep the church moving forward, what would keep the church stepping forward in health. And it says the Lord added their number daily. And, and like they didn't have some, some real fancy strategy. The disciples, the church wasn't born and the disciples didn't huddle up and say, all right, what do we do with all these people? No, it says like they just, every day they would meet in the temple courts and they would pray together. And then they would go home and they would break bread. They would, they would literally just go to each other's houses and, and they would have meals and they would eat food together. It, that, that breaking of the bread in scripture has, has layered meanings. Like sometimes it literally means they would just hang out and have meals together and do life together. And also the breaking of bread and that communion, Lord's Supper meal that they would share together remembering what Jesus had done for them. And in Acts chapter 4, it would tell us that, that there were no needy persons among them. That, that they would sell, from time to time, they would sell possessions and give as people had need. And like this week, I read that passage and, and, I, and, and like I really believe that the reason why the church was so healthy and successful in those early days it's because they kept it simple and they stayed together. They kept it simple and they stayed together. But at the same time, I read that. And I don't know if I got sad or frustrated. Because I feel like we're in a place right now. I'm like, God, those are the things that cause the church to thrive. But it seems like, it seems like those are the things in many ways like we really can't, some of those things we can't do right now. Like we haven't been able to kind of physically be in this. They met every day in the temple courts. Like the, 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 the mass crowd of people would gather. Now I'm grateful that it looks like some restrictions are going to be easing up and a lot of our life groups are once again going to be able to meet and gather together. But I still, I feel like I'm, we're limited and it's like, now more than ever, I feel like it was the people that are in that space between moment and miracle need what the church provides when we gather. Because as, as I've thought throughout the day and as I've been frustrated to feel like I don't, I don't have a message, as we were worshiping just a little bit ago, I felt God say something in my spirit. That Matt, what's gonna get people from moment to miracle is not another message from you, but a moment with me. Like not, and it's not that, that God was saying that like those messages that, that he's put on my heart weren't from him, but like we need a moment with God. You ever had a moment with God? Like really? Like can you point back to a place in your life when, when like you were so certain and undeniably in the presence of God? Like thick in the presence of God. Like I don't know whether shout, dance, do a cartwheel, sing, or just sit still. Like the, like the presence of God 
is so real, you can, you can feel it. Like physically almost feel it. That, that moment with like the, the, back, the hair on the back of your neck kind of stands up and something begins to kind of turn in your st- stomach. It's kind of like you're, you, you don't really know what to do. Like a moment with God. And I know there's a lot of people like think, yeah, Matt, like I, I remember those moments. I had one of those moments back in October when, when our band released their very first EP and there was all these people in this room and we were not social distancing at all and worshiping and singing out in praise. Or I, re- I remember that moment. It was that, that picture that you posted a few weeks ago when, when our entire church was just about gathered around this platform and praying. But you know what? As I've thought this afternoon, my most memorable moments with God have been in solitude. The times that stand out in my mind the most where I was so certain I was in the presence of God, I was not surrounded by another person. Like when I was 16 and I preached my very first message, I'm still convinced it was the worst message in the history of preaching. I've been asked by my dad, who's a pastor at the time, he's retired now, and they were doing one of those youth Sundays, and, and I got tabbed to, to preach, and I remember laying in my bed that night, and like the Holy Spirit filling my, I was just laying in the bed, and I was just thinking and praying, and, and like I just knew that God was in that room, and it wasn't audible, but I heard the voice of God say, Matt, this is what you will do for the rest of your life. And it was so real and it, it was so potent. And I remember fighting that call. And, and, and the, the moment that I surrendered to that call was another one of those moments when I knew I was in the presence of God. It, I, it started when I was in a gathering. I was in a gathering of people and God started stirring something in me and I knew I just needed to withdraw. I needed to get away from people. I needed to step out of the crowd and just get alone with God. It was at a youth camp, not far from where I'm standing right now. And I went out to the pool and that pool had a set of concrete steps that led down into the pool house. And I remember going to those concrete steps and I remember sitting on those steps for a while, just kind of waiting for God to talk to me. And, and I it seemed like I sat out there forever. And for a while, like I was just in the presence of God and, and I just, I don't know that I, 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 we, we weren't really talking. I wasn't saying anything. I was just in stillness, sitting in the presence of God, just kind of soaking it up and waiting to hear from him. And it was in that moment, I felt like God say, Matt, if, if, you, don't, if you don't follow my will, you'll always be unfulfilled. Not that not, not you won't be happy, not you won't be successful, you won't be fulfilled. And if it wasn't for that night sitting on those concrete steps at that pool house, I probably wouldn't be sitting on this stage in this moment. But you know, the, those moments haven't just come in in those situations, they've, those moments have 
been in the aftermath of the painful moments. Like the first time that, that Ashley, my wife, miscarried. I remember how excited we were when we found out that she was pregnant and the frustration when it turned out that that pregnancy wasn't sustainable and viable. And I remember standing in the kitchen holding my wife and just trying to process it. And then I remember, and I don't even remember where I was going. I was going to, I think I was going to the drugstore for some reason. And I just left and I got in the car and I was driving. And I had one of those moments where the Holy Spirit moved right in that vehicle as I was going down the road. And I had to, I had to pull over to the side of the road because I could no longer see through the tears that were streaming down my face. And I just felt the Holy Spirit ministering to me right there in that space. I remember when Ashley and I were going through this assessment to kind of get the support and the backing to come and plant Vintage Church. And we were in Indianapolis, Indiana, and she and I were both going through this process. And we flew to Indianapolis and we walked into the Holiday Inn Express in Indianapolis. And when we went in the room, my wife, I looked over and she was crying. And my wife never cries. And we had this conversation because in my ambition and desire to pursue my call, I had pursued planning a church and kind of left her behind. And she had so much anxiety and fear over what all this would mean for our family. And she wasn't really feeling this whole going to move from South Carolina to North Carolina to plant a church. And I remember thinking, if I pursue planting this church, will it cost me my wife? Because I know God's not asking me to choose planting a church over my marriage. And I remember laying face down on a cold and nasty tile floor of the Holiday Inn Express, just me and God, and God met me there too. Like, see, I know that right now we're in the aftermath. And that space between moment and miracle is much longer than any of us would like. And I know we've been talking about not letting frustration get to us, not letting a lack of motivation get to us, not letting a loss of patience get to us. And, and like, but we, maybe we've just hit that wall and you're like, Matt, I don't need another clever line. I don't need more of your fancy alliteration in this moment. I agree. You need a moment with God. And maybe somewhere along the way, you believe that could only happen here. Or maybe you even started to believe it best happens here. But if my life is any indication, yeah, God meets with us here. God shows up when we gather together. But can I just remind you that in the, in the aftermath, God gave us an advocate that meant we would never be alone. In the aftermath, God gave us an advocate that meant never again would we be alone. That Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit. And more than just falling on the day of Pentecost, 
Peter in his sermon would remind us that any of us who put our hope and faith and trust in Jesus, we get the gift of the Holy Spirit. That in the aftermath, we were given an advocate that means no matter how lonely you feel in the moment, you're not alone. No matter how separated you feel from other people, you're as close to God as you've ever been and ever will be. That his presence is inescapable. And so if you're looking for a moment, if you need a moment with him to fill the meantime until the miracle All you have to do is engage him and open up. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Do you, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? That you're a host of the Holy Ghost. That he is right where you are. That he does not dwell in buildings built by human hands, but in the heart of every human that chooses him. David knew it. One, Psalm 139, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my laying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in, behind, and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely darkness will hide me and the light become night before me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. You know, I've always believed that isolation is dangerous. But solitude is beautiful. That you don't need another message. That you need a moment with God. And sometimes those moments Sometimes the most beautiful moments don't happen in a crowded room in a building with a steeple on it. They happen when you need them most, when you're most willing to acknowledge and open your heart to his presence. And one of the passages that I, that I go to in those moments is Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight might be my favorite chapter. I don't know if you're supposed to have a favorite chapter in scripture, but if I had one, Romans would be it, Romans eight. I just wanna read it to you. I'm gonna start with verse 18. 
this is the moment you might need to get out your Bible app and highlight this verse, or you might need to get out your Bible and your pen and your highlighter and like do some work. Paul says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it. And hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up into the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. I got to keep reading, so stay with me. Go to verse 26. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know, verse 28, that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters, and that those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to all these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or COVID-19 or lack of having church or being stuck in my house? What shall separate us from God? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long and we are considered as sheep to be to the slaughter. No, in all things, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In all things, in every season, in every situation, in every moment, there's not a single thing that we ever have to endure all alone. And as isolated as you feel, and as lonely as you might be, and as desperately as you might be longing for a moment with God, 
scripture says. How you experience that moment is not dependent on a certain space, place, surroundings. But in those moments of solitude is where God most often speaks that encouragement that we need. In the aftermath, we've been given an advocate, which means we're never alone. And God, I pray right now for every person that God, another message ain't gonna do it. They don't need, they don't need a word, they need the word. The presence to move. And God, I'm grateful that you've cleared the path that the veil has been torn, that your spirit has been unleashed, that access is unlimited. And that there's not a single painful moment that we have to endure all by ourselves. That in those times when we have no idea what to do next, we don't know what to pray, that we have one interceding on our behalf. And God, I pray that right now, that as we worship you, as we lift up your praise, that you would fall, that you would remind us all of the persistent power of your presence. Meet with us, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We hope that what you experience today inspires you to live and love like Jesus. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage and grow deeper in your faith by downloading the Vintage Church app. Through this app, you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, additional podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You can easily download our app by going to app.vintagechurch.net. We hope you join us again soon.